Welcome to Sea Time, everybody, the off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Seat Time, everybody. So, episode 136 on this fine Tuesday evening. You know what's fun about this Tuesday? It's July 29th. Um, July 30th, which is tomorrow, is my 35th birthday. Um, so, yes. The, earlier this year, I was telling somebody who was asking wh- how old I was going to be this year, and I was like, I'll be 34. And Tam looked at me like I was an idiot, and she's like, you're going to be 35. And unfortunately, I was being very serious that I thought I was going to be turning 34. So today's semi-special, I guess, but tomorrow's going to be really, really the special one for turning 35. Five more years till 40. Um, I don't know that that means much, except for the fact that tomorrow's my birthday. So for those of you paying attention to seat time this evening, and if it's archived, we definitely love the fact that you're here with us. 35, what, what? I don't know. Hopefully we can come up with a fun title for that, right, Stephen? It's got to be some fun birthday thing we can come up with. Yeah, we'll come up with something. I think so for sure. So for those of you, this might be your first time. This is Seat Time, the online show for the off-road enthusiast, Um, the bench racing, beer drinking show. where We just like to get guys from the motorcycle industry, specifically off-road, to just come on and talk about maybe their parts in the industry, things that are going on in the industry, some of the race results that have been happening, maybe just a fun event that they went to. Those those are the things that I think a lot of us think about and we just don't find a way to get enough information on. So that's what we do here on Seat Time. Of course, Seat Time is available live like we do this on our website, which is at seattime.co. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. Or if you just so happen to really be into my voice and not so much my face and some of our guest faces, you can subscribe to the audio-only version, which is on Stitcher um, or iTunes. Depends. Stitcher you can get on any smartphone, and, of course, iTunes is for iDevices. Um, just search for Seat Time. It's two words. You can get the audio podcast. Um, again, I would prefer it that you tune in to YouTube because, I mean, we're worth it. We're pretty darn good-looking people. Uh, seat Time is brought to you by the fine folks over at Fly Racing. I actually just got one of their uh, their tanks in the mail today from our good friend Dale Spangler. Much appreciate that. I'm going to look really good when I work out tomorrow. Uh, probably not, but we'll see. Um, of course, Stillwell Performance, uh, they were going to make your squishy even less le- less suck. The squishy less suck. Uh, obviously, super, super good guys in suspension, specifically for off-road, so I think you should check them out. Uh the guys over at KR4 Performance uh, with their Arrive and Ride program going to the GNCC's National Enduros and a great chance that they're going to be in Atlanta for the Enduro Cross that's going on there. And uh, they're hoping to make some West Coast events as that um, comes onto their timetable. And then the guys over at Fast Company in Washington, Utah, if you've heard about the Flex Bars, actually I just got my set in for the rally that's coming up, going to Baja. Apparently, these are a little bit different. Uh, the sweep is a little bit less. Uh, they're a tad bit wider. Um, they say that that's better for events like a rally where you're going to be standing up a lot more opposed to maybe more of an enduro or more off-road event where you're going to sit down a little bit more or sit down and stand up and transition a lot more. So looking forward to throwing those on the rally bike and see what happens on the 2005 450 EXC. That thing is old, and that 6.6-gallon gas tank is a freaking beast. Oh, man. So that's a lot. 
and now we're through it. <laughs> so I'm excited because uh, we've got two really cool guests coming on. I say two really cool guests, but we've got quite a slew once we get to the guys from Recluse. But first, it's uh, our gentleman with two first names, Mr. Quinn Cody. Just got back driving through the night from Colorado, attending a really fun event. Um, and he's got a lot of neat stuff going on, specifically some cool events and uh, things with the, the Kirk Caselli Foundation. We're going to learn a lot about that, so we really look forward to it. But I have to say, Mr. Quinn Cody, how is your evening going, kind sir? Hey, it's great. Uh, it's good to be here. <clears throat> you know, I uh, we hammered from Colorado this morning and, uh, you know, got back, so a little burnt, but, you know, it's... Uh, it's good to be on the show. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, uh, it, are you based out of California? Is that kind of where you call home? Yeah, yeah I live uh, in San Inez Valley, just north of Santa Barbara. So we're about two hours north of LA. Okay. Uh, kind of mountains, mountain area, uh, a lot of trees and stuff. Not really the desert. Um, you know what I've kind of grown up racing. It's just kind of grown up in the mountains, trail riding and stuff. So it's a uh, it's a nice area though. Lots of good road biking and. Mountain biking stuff like that. Well, it sounds fun. I wish here in Texas we had anything we could call mountains, but unfortunately, we have large hills um, that people have called mountains, and we look at them like they're dumb. So I guess we take what we can get. <laughs> have you been down to Texas to do much riding, or are you a uh, you know more West Coast? Uh, I've been down there a couple times. Uh, I raced uh, Last Man Standing back in gosh, I think 2006. Yes. And yeah, that was a brutal event. It was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do on a on a dirt bike. It got harder the the next two years after, actually. So yeah, the year I did it, it snowed and sleeted, and I mean, it was hard just getting to the event, let alone racing it. We had to drive through ice storms and all kinds of crap to get there, and uh, it's a little different than uh, California. Yeah, no, I bet. Yeah, it's it's interesting because. We don't seem to get snow or ice that often, but for an event like that where it's the last man standing, of course, Texas winds up with like inches of snow and ice on the ground. It's like, who who ordered this? This is insane. So it was definitely an event that most people were like, what happened? Like, this is retarded. But uh, as you said, it made a good event for those watching, like myself, and uh, probably miserable on people like yourself who were uh, entered in the event. <laughs> but it happened. That's, that's what they want, right? That's what Red Bull wants. Um, so tell us a little bit about if you were to give somebody a quick synopsis, which hopefully you'll do for us right now, of the Kirk Caselli Foundation, what would that be? You're just sitting around a campfire. Somebody's like, oh, what is the Kirk Caselli Foundation? How would you explain it to them? Yeah, so, um, you know, after Kurt's accident, um, there was a huge outpouring of support from the whole off-road community, um, you know, the whole motorcycle community in general, actually, you know, motocross, supercross, everybody. And um, people started donating money and just, you know, making, making, giving all this support to the Caselli family. And so, you know, they decided that they wanted to, to form something to honor Kurt's memory. And, um, you know, they got together with uh, John Eric Burleson and uh, Lil D from FMF and um, created the Kurt Caselli Foundation to, and the mission statement of, of the Kurt Caselli Foundation is basically protecting and supporting the lives of off-road racers and riders. Um, so with, with that foundation, the idea is to, you know, bring safety to different events throughout the country. And, you know, a lot of it is kind of a learning process for us because we're trying to, to figure out what everyone needs, where, where we can help and what we can do. Um, so some of that, 
involves new technology, like trying to bring tracking devices to races in Mexico or Heron Hounds on the West Coast. Um, you know, we're supplying race and progress signs to different organizations throughout the U.S. that are held on, like, public lands where there's ATV riders riding around and many people don't know there's an event going on. Um, you know, we have a scholarship fund in the works. Uh, so there's, you know, some stuff that we want to do to try to support guys after their racing careers. Um, you know, not just motocross or not just off-road guys, but motocross guys too. And, um, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of ideas floating around and they hired me back in March to kind of just put this stuff into action and, you know, go to events and see where they need help and talk to people and just kind of network and figure out where we can best focus our resources. Very cool. Um, Having just kind of started to, to, you know, you and I actually did a little bit of chatting about some of the testing that I've done for the Baja Rally coming up, and one of the big devices that my father and I had to learn so much about were the spot devices, um, for kind of for that tracking purposes. Um, so in the tracking devices that you guys are kind of maybe researching, learning more about, trying to make other people more aware of, where does the spot fit into all of that? Is that kind of the... The, the, the pinnacle at this point for tracking devices for riders like myself, or are there other devices that are that much better that, that we're not using yet? Well, right now, I mean, the spot is kind of like our go-to device that, that is what we're promoting for, for your average rider, for guys that are going out and racing, you know, mountain biking, hiking, whatever, you know, it's, it's a perfect device. It, you know, it sends a satellite uh, ping every two and a half minutes. So, your friends and family can track you throughout your ride. Um, you know, if you're out in the boonies and you break down, there's a help button you can push and you know, so they can send help to, to come get you. Um, then there's also a, a SOS button, which is for like life and death emergencies. You know, if you're out there and you know, someone crashes really bad and they need to need to get airlifted out or whatever, um, you can press that SOS button and, and they'll take you out of there. So, you know, the spot is a good device. It's, um, you know, it's readily available to customers. It makes it really easy for people to just to buy and go online and activate it and, um, you know, go out and start start using it. Okay, yeah. And it was uh, very simple for us. We were it, It's just new um, to us in the sense of, of kind of what we're doing. It makes complete sense of why we need it because we're on a course that essentially isn't marked, you know, for the Baja Rally specifically in this case, um, you know, because we get all this stuff in roadbook fashion. And part of the challenge of this event is the navigation. So it's kind of like, hey, you don't know where you're going to be. We want to know where you're going to be if you get lost. So wear this device if we can find you. Um, now, again, I'm just learning about these kind of these tracking devices when it comes to spot and stuff like this. How prevalent have these been in races like the Baja 1000, like with Kurt's accident and them having issues trying to find him and all that kinds of stuff? Were devices like this being used at that time, and have they been in the past? Yeah, you know, they, they've been using satellite trackers at the rallies like the Dakar for quite a few years now, and they're really advanced. They have crash impact sensors. They have all kinds of, you know, technology. They can actually talk to you through the bike. Um, it's a satellite phone that's mounted to your bike. Um, you know, and, and that's really the, the peak of, of where we want to go with things. Um, the problem with the ones used at Dakar is that they're huge. They're the size of a you know, big brick, and there's nowhere to mount them on a bike for, for a ride like, you know, for the Baja 1000 or 
parent hound or whatever. So, you know, we're trying to work with some different people to develop smaller devices. Um, that's a good part about the spot is it, is it is small. Now, 2013, last year, the Baja 1000 was the first year that they've actually required tracking device on the motorcycle. And, um, you know, it was, it was a new thing. And, um, you know, there was, there were some mistakes made, um, when Kurt crashed, um, you know, they actually had a location on him, but unfortunately through some of the technology, there was a, there was a few holes in their, in the system and, you know, they weren't able to, to, um, you know, get help to him in time or, you know, get, get an actual fixed location on him, um, which is unfortunate. And some of it, you know, it's, I mean, it's terrible, really. It's just like the worst, the worst case scenario. And, and you can't really blame it on just one thing, like, you know, say the tracking device being off. There was a whole slew of things that were, that were out of everyone's control throughout the day. Um, you know, so it's, it's very hard to, to blame it on one thing and say, well, if we just did that, it would be, it would be different. Yeah. Um, and I could imagine that a lot of, a lot of what you guys know now in that situation is kind of, where you come in, um, and why the Kurt Caselli Foundation hired you, um, it, it's about taking all of that information that you guys have learned about. Well, okay, this was new technology. We were testing it. We were bringing it into fruition. But unfortunately, all the problems that we had caused issues. And we know that those issues were part of that. Maybe was was not being able to get the Kurt on time. But moving forward, you know, I would imagine that your job now is partly trying to figure out how to implement the, all this stuff properly to these different race organizations and educate them on how maybe it wasn't implemented properly with the Baja 1000 last year. Um, so, so how's that kind of going? How is that education process, not just with yourself, but with other organizations? How is that moving forward? Yeah, it's, um, we've been working with, with like score international for Baja and, you know, we've taken a look, a really close look at what, at what happened and, and the holes in the system. And we've made already huge steps forward to correct all that stuff. So, you know, right now the system is, is pretty solid. We, you know, we've implemented some new stuff. We, um, we printed up some rescue stickers that, that actually notify or, you know, visibility stickers so that if there's an accident and someone finds a down rider, they can, they can see where the spot tracking device is um, on, you know, where it's located on the motorcycle because, you know, sometimes if it's a spectator that finds a down rider, they don't know where the spot is or even maybe they don't even know what it is. So, you know, these stickers say rescue and, you know, big bold letters and they're visible and, you know, so a guy can knows which button to push. Right. Is Would you... Would this be maybe something like uh like the tile that's come out these little GPS units like there was a Kickstarter project for these little GP, uh, GPS tiles that you can connect to your keys you know heck I connect to one of my Phantom so that when it blows away in the wind I can go find it is it something kind of like that but with a button that literally says help or SOS Uh yeah you know there's you know, there's a lot of stuff that that's out there that's available, and you know, everything has its limitations. You know, spot has its limitations. Uh, like what you're talking about, the tile thing has its limitations, where maybe they require cell service or it's this or that or something. And you know, so right now we're we're kind of working with with the spot device as because that's what's used for Baja racing. Also, is the spot. So we're working with that, and we're trying to make that as as good as we can at, at this point. Um, and we actually, you know, we produced a, a video in conjunction with Score International before the Baja 500, and 
you know, it's just me explaining how to use the spot device because oh, that was that was a big problem. Guys didn't even know how to use them. You know, they knew they were on their motorcycle, but they didn't know what they did. Um, so, and we actually had a rescue at the Baja 500 where um, some spectators found a guy who had flown off a cliff and um, broken his jaw and smashed his face up and broken his leg, an ATV rider. And the spectators had actually watched the video and knew how to react and knew which button to push and were able to get help to the guy, you know, within a short period of time. You know, I think they had the helicopter to him within less than an hour, which is in, in Mexico is is huge. Perfect. Yeah, that's probably Yeah, I can imagine that in Mexico that that's that's awesome to see. Now, um so if there was one thing that you're saying like technology just if if something could just change dramatically overnight when it comes to technology and what could make this that much better, is there something that that would Mm, drastically change the way that that these spots work, or that we're able to keep track of riders on some of these long, long distance events. Um, or do you kind of think we're on the right path, and we've got everything we need? We just need to keep educating and keep playing with it. Uh, no, we're we're working towards towards new things, and especially for the the racing community. Um, you know, the spot isn't probably isn't the perfect device to use on a race bike. You know, there's a, there's a lot of limitations there. It's a perfect device for a guy who's out pre-running or a guy that's, you know, out trail riding or whatever. Um, what we're working on is, is a smaller device and, um, actually have some guys who are, who are helping us out with that. And it, and it has a ability to build in a crash impact sensor. Um, they have radio frequency communications so that when a trophy truck's catching a slower motorcycle, it'll alert the motorcycle. With, through like an audible speaker and let them know that, hey, you know, you're about to get passed by a trophy truck, you know, get the hell off the road. <laughs> Scoot over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so you know, and, and we're working on that, but, it you know, it just takes, the stuff takes time and it's, you know, we're developing, um, doing some testing with, with those guys and, and hopefully next year we'll be able to kind of implement that into um, into a bunch of the score races and, you know, Hopefully we can get them to be mandatory on on all the bikes down there. Yeah, no, that's super cool, and I'm glad that you guys are making that effort. Like I said, education for me has really, really begun for the Baja Rally, and it should have begun, you know, last year in 2013. But it was kind of one of those things where it was required for me in this event. So I've become more educated, and I'm definitely going to want to find your video to educate myself even better on how the spot works. I've kind of gone through some of their ter- their their videos online, but I'm pretty sure that you're filling me in with the dirt bike head that I have in an educational level that I can understand. Um, so that that's definitely what I'm looking for. Um, what what really what really caught my attention too that you guys were mentioning about is the scholarship fund that you guys have for guys um, that may be kind of coming out of their their racing career. I think that's fantastic because there are so many guys that probably put a lot of their late high school years, if not all of them, and most of the years that they would either be in a trade school or apprenticeship or maybe college um, into a racing career. So they get done with that and they just don't really have besides being in the industry, they don't have a lot of other doors that might be open for them. So I think the scholarship is another thing that we'd love to be able to hear a little bit more about and how we can get involved in supporting that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, scholarship's a great thing, and uh, it's, a, it's a big thing that, that Kurt's sister, Caroline, has really pushed for. Um, you know, she's a school teacher, and, you know, she knows about, you know, 
the kind of the scholarship type stuff and then what a struggle it is for people to have to go back to school after, you know, either like a racing career or, you know, something else that didn't work out. And so, um, you know, we're, we've taken some of the, some of the money that people have donated and we're putting that into a, into a special like annuity type fund. So it'll be a scholarship that repeats every year for, um, an ex off-road racer or, or motocross racer. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few different, um, criteria that they have to meet and they'll be able to apply for it. And, you know, they have to go through a, a selection process and then, at the end of it, they'll be awarded a scholarship to either go to a, you know, a trade school like MMI or, you know, other approved schools throughout the country, really, um, you know, whatever they, whatever they choose to do with it. Yeah. And, you know, it's a great thing because like you said, so many people, I mean, some kids are, are pulled out of school, you know, you look at some of the amateur motocross kids that are pulled out of school from the time they're like seven years old. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, once the racing career doesn't work out, it's, you know, it's like, what are they going to do? And their parents, you know, put all this effort into it. And then, you know, they're, they're left to kind of figure it out on their own. Um, you know, and so we're, you know, we're kind of working on that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of paperwork and a lot of different things that we have to go through to be able to put that together. But we're hoping to have that ready for, you know, 2015 and, um, able to, you know, award our first, uh, scholarship first Kirk Caselli, uh, you know, scholarship fund basically. Yeah. Well, that'll be neat. You'll definitely have to, uh, educate us when you guys maybe have, I, I like how submissions are going to work for that. Like you said, there's going to be criteria. People are obviously going to have to meet that and then, you know, make submissions of why they should be selected for said scholarship and stuff like that. But that'll be really neat for the first, uh, the first athlete to, uh, to, to, to receive, you know, a scholarship fund from the Kurt Caselli Foundation. I know that that would mean a lot to a racer that's probably coming out of a really tough career if they're, you know, needing needing help like that. Um, so, on a fun note of what the heck you're going to be up to coming up, I hear you're getting ready to jump on a plane in a few months and head down to Australia. What is this all about? You just you think it's cooler down there because it's their winter time? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess technically it would be even cooler, like just just barometrically. Yeah. It's gonna be nice. Uh, no, you know, I um, I got the opportunity to go race the Australasian Safari, which is a seven day uh, navigation rally through um, similar to Dakar through uh, Western Australia. So it, it starts in Perth and it works its way up uh, up north, and you know does. Gosh, I'm not even sure how many miles, but I want to say it's like. Three or four thousand kilometers, so it's a it's a pretty long long event, and um, you know I'm really excited to kind of I've never been to Australia, so excited to go give that a shot. Yeah, Australia, oh my gosh, and it sounds like you guys are going to be going for quite a few days. So is this um, a rally event like what we were kind of discussing last week in the sense of like roadbook navigation, or is this more of a rally? Uh, it kind of kind of talk us through this event that you're going to be taking on and how uh, you know what it means in your mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a full navigation rally. So it's roadbook rally. Um, very similar to Dakar. You know, they use very similar to format, similar to the Baja rally. Uh, you'll have a, you know, navigation tower and you have to read, you know, you have to read notes and, you know, navigate your way through the, through the country and, you know, hopefully not get lost. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and race, they try and go fast at the same time. 
<laughs> That's the toughest part. I know we were talking about that. You were like, man, you know, I could take you training and teach you a bunch of stuff if you can make it out. And I was like, I'd love to. I think one more weekend of rally training would really help me wrap my head around a lot of the, the what I think would be the right way to approach a lot of the little mistakes that I made last time. Um, that first weekend I was out in Nevada. But I know that's just not going to happen. But I mean, so you've, have you, have you done quite a lot of rally events? Is this something new to you or is this something you've been doing for a while? Yeah. I, I mean, I've done Dakar, uh, twice on motorcycle. So, you know, I've got some experience there. Um, and then I, this year I navigated, uh, for BJ Baldwin at Dakar and, um, you know, in a, in a car. So it was, right. that was a wild ride. I mean, BJ's a bad man. And, uh, so riding along with him was a, was a good time. It was a definite, uh, kind of change of pace to have to let go of the handlebars for a while and let somebody else control <laughs> yeah. the thing. And, and you get to live through their craziness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, I was a little nervous at first, but I, I settled in and, and, um, you know, I learned a lot actually about navigation doing it in the car because you have a lot more time to, to read the road book while you're in a car and, and understand what's going on. So you get a, you get a, much stronger grasp of what's going on in the road book and you learn how the French do things and what all the abbreviations mean and exactly the order that they place things in and things like that, that you never pick up on, on a motorcycle because you're going too fast and right. it just flies out, you know, it's in, in one ear out the other, you know, it's yeah, like you forget. That's my biggest thing. Uh, Ian Blythe and I were talking about that one that he was like, he actually told me he made flashcards so that he could, um, start to learn on a very fast fashion all the French terms. And he doesn't need to learn French, but he has to know when he sees either these these French words or French symbols um, to quickly, you know, there's no thought process of translation of what does it mean. It's just, you know, it means this. Um, So I think that that's going to be a route that I'm going to have to take to really start to get a better grasp on the, uh, on the French part of it. But I, so Ian Blythe is actually going to be down in Australia doing the same safari. Is that, is he going to be down there with you or are you guys, are you guys yeah. mortal enemies? No, you know, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't really know Ian actually. I, I've, I think I've met him before just, you know, through the off-road community and stuff, but, um, this whole thing kind of started, he's going to be going with me and the whole thing kind of started actually two years ago. Um, I got invited to go do this race. Um, I was supposed to, I was just getting really ready to leave about two weeks before I, I left and I broke my arm. Mm. So it was just like a disaster. I was super bummed and I had to, you know, call the guys and tell them, Hey, I can't do this. And so I missed out on my chance to go to Australia. So, so I thought, and then, uh, this year, uh, my buddy, Ned Suisse, who's, uh, um, also done Dakar and he's a, he's a super cool guy from Colorado and he knows Ian pretty well. And he was, uh, he was kind of nudging me like, Hey, let's go do a rally. Let's, you know, let's go do a rally somewhere. Let's go do a rally somewhere. And I'm like, oh man, you know, I don't want to deal with all that hassle of shipping bikes across the world. And, you know, it, it's a pain in the butt. There's no real rallies in North America except for the Baja rally. So, you know, you got to go to like Qatar or somewhere like that, you know, where that I've gone and done before. And I already know what a pain in the butt it is. So anyway, I, I'm like, okay, okay, let me call these guys in Australia. So I call them up and then they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll we'll put this together. So we ended up making a deal, putting a deal together for me and and Ned to go. And so I committed to go. And then Ned calls me up and he's like, "Oh, 
I already committed to do something during that time. <laughs> Damn it. And so I'm, okay, so I guess I'm going to Australia. <laughs> and then he comes back a couple of days later. And he's like, hey, this kid Ian, he, he really wants to go. And so we're going we're gonna to send him in my place. So I'm like, all right, you know. Let's do it. So, Time uh, to meet some new motorcycle friends. <laughs> yeah, so that's how it all uh, it all kind of came about. It was kind of a long two year process, but uh, you know, I think we're gonna have a good time over there, and I, I think we're gonna be traveling together and stuff. So, and we're riding on the same team, uh, CPW KTM, which is a, um, kind of a satellite rally team for KTM in Australia, um, is is putting the whole thing together for us. So we're gonna be on the same bike, same team. And uh, kind of traveling together, so it uh, should be a good time. Yeah, no, I think that's going to be neat. I think it's going to be really cool, and I think that that's going to be a great opportunity for us to chat with you guys after the fact because that's about the same time as the Baja Rally is going on here. So afterwards, we can definitely uh, we can compare notes, um, and uh, we could probably talk about the fact that you guys did better than I did. In every aspect of, of rally navigation and, uh, and surviving the heat of the desert and stuff like that, it'll be. I want to know what the the one thing I'm going to be curious to learn about is what the terrain is really like. Like, kind of to see a map of where you guys were at in Australia and how was it the desert? Was it the outback? Was it the bush? Like, I don't yeah. know. I, I wonder what you know all these these crazy places in Australia are really like. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty wild that we're going to the far west coast of Australia. So it's like there's almost nobody out there. I think it's one of the least populated places in the world. It's just huge and, uh, you know, roads going everywhere. And I think it actually goes up into kind of some subtropical regions up north. And so, you know, it should be should be pretty interesting. Very cool. Well, definitely. Yeah. Um, so. As we kind of wrap it up, we've talked a lot about stuff that you guys are doing with the Kirk Caselli Foundation, and obviously there's even more. You know, we just kind of touched on a few uh, few topics that you guys are really trying to educate people on and focus and grow more awareness in the sport. Um, but where else can people go to learn more, you know, about the Kirk Caselli Foundation and what you guys are trying to do, or even possibly donate uh, money to the foundation? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, KirkCaselli.com is. Uh is the foundation's website. Um, you know, you can go on there, you can donate, um, you know, you can buy stickers or, you know, you can give a donation and we'll send you a packages of stickers. Um, we have some nice new sheets of, uh, Kirk Caselli stickers and foundation stickers on the, on the website. Um, you can also go to fmep.com and you can still buy the, the ride like Caselli shirts on there and all that money gets, uh, donated directly to the foundation. And so, you know, and all that money that's donated goes to help, rider safety and stuff like the scholarship fund. And so, you know, it's a really good cause and we're, uh, you know, we're here to stay. Um, KTM's invested a lot to, um, you know, to file all the paperwork so that we could become a 501c3 nonprofit. So, and, and anyone that's ever gone through that, it's a major ordeal to deal with the IRS and make that happen. And so, um, you know, all your donations are going to be tax deductible and, you know, we hope to, you know, kind of build a following and, you know, everybody can kind of watch what we do through the years. And this is kind of something that, that we want to continue on indefinitely. Yeah. Um, I actually just saw that uh, Dino, I don't know if they just released them or if I just happened to catch it today, but I saw the Kirk Caselli shoes uh, that DVS has put out and they were available. So I was like, whoop. So I picked up a pair. I don't know how much you guys get of that, but it definitely says that you guys get a portion of the proceeds 
of those shoes go to the Kirk Sully Foundation. So that's obviously a way, too, um, that you can get out there and, and make some purchases with some of the fun, the companies that say, oh, we support the Kirk Sully Foundation and proceeds go there. So. Yeah, for sure. Now there's, you know, there's a lot of different people that have been really supportive of us. You know, DBS is doing the, the signature shoe. Um, you know, Matrix is done at the Kirk Caselli stand, really, really nice stand that's available. Um, you know, and then the, of course the, the ride, to, the ride the dream movie is still on iTunes and, uh, still available for anybody that wants to download that. Um, you know, so, you know, those are the main ways that people can, can help out and really get something in return. Um, we're also working on some cool stuff. Um, we're making a special holder, um, a, a spot holder, Giant Loop, which is a really cool company, is making a, uh, a holder for the spot tracking device that actually will attach to a backpack or to your motorcycle and um, you know secure your spot device. And we hope to have a bunch of those ready for the Baja Rally for you guys, um, you know, just to kind of help out keeping you guys going and, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, so we, uh, we could be. A, you don't, you don't get lost and end up in Cabo or something. <laughs> it could be a. We could be a test dummy. Everybody else will be test subjects. I'll probably just be the test dummy, but I'm okay <laughs> with that. It's it's pretty unfortunately typical. Uh, well, cool, man. Well, so uh, like, what was the website again? I'm totally blanking now. I'm like, what? it's Kirkuselli.com. Kirkuselli. Super easy. Oh yeah, okay. So it's not Kirkuselli Foundation. Well, good. I'm no, glad that you guys. Com, and yeah, I have all the information on there, and we're updating it all the time. Uh, so yeah, go there and check it out, and uh, you know, donate, and you're helping helping all your fellow riders out, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna make some big noise for Dig sure. It. Well, cool, man. Well, thank you one for coming on the show, um, and you know, we hope that all the endeavors with the Kirkuselli Foundation go fantastic, and that you don't get lost in Australia, because uh, I know you have stuff here that you probably should get back to. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And you too. Don't get lost. And uh, you know, there's some there's some wrong turns you can make down there that you might end up in some bad places. So yeah, all your luck. Yeah, you got it, man. I appreciate it. You have a good night. All right, take care, man. Later. Awesome. Well, Queen Cody's a gentleman that I haven't had a chance to meet before, but I'm glad that we were able to get him on the show. He's doing some really cool stuff. At It was at the Ride the Dream uh, premiere, actually, where the Kirk Caselli Foundation uh, really made a big um, uh, announcement about him kind of coming on as, uh, as you know, going out, making a lot of uh, efforts to help out in a lot of the areas that he has so much experience in because of the fact that he's been around with the rallies and with a lot of the, uh, the score events for so long. Of course... Good moment to talk about some of our fine folks at Fly Ration, um, a pint full of awesome awards. So how do we give this out? You go on Instagram and you post your activities from the weekend between 9 a.m. on Friday to midnight on Sunday. And that just makes it easier for me to see if you're a winner or not. Um, and you hashtag it, pint full of awesome. Now, this does not mean that you have to be drinking for this to be any kind of awesome. We want you to go out and have a good time and express to us in the most – meaningful way possible so that's either a picture or a 15 second video because you're on instagram um heck you could even do it with flipogram that'd be really cool if it's like you doing the robot dance something fun hashtag at pineful of awesome and i'm going to go through them and i'm going to pick one so we have a winner this week and i am going to announce it live on the show like i do so much um, but I don't know how well the audio is going to come through because obviously, I mean, they are winning. So we'll see. I don't know what's going to happen. Steven's going to play it though, and I'm going to read out who the gentleman is and all the information. So Steven, woohoo! 
there's some kind of testing. So I wonder, I think this is actually like in Hawaii, what it would look like if you were riding there and some of the crazy stuff. So he's going to get the Moto Heart t-shirt and the podium. A little bit more interesting to figure it out. But regardless, we'll make sure he gets something kind of cool. So we definitely appreciate him uh, taking the time to submit his video from the weekend of doing some uh, and just out there having a good time and enjoying the sport, making fantastic products that keep you on your dirt bike having a good time. That's what you need to be doing. So we thank them for their support. Um, other fantastic companies that are helping us out, KR4 Performance. I don't know if you guys remember our Big Buck Adventure, um, but they have their Arrive and Ride program. And with the Arrive and Ride program, it's a great way to get to a GNCC event, maybe if you haven't gone to one before, or uh, a National Enduro if you've been wanting to do one of those and haven't had a chance to make it. Not just the professional manner that you guys that they hold themselves and their products to, but it's they're awesome dudes to hang out with. We had so much fun hanging out with those guys. And at the GNCCs, they get a chance to really hang out on Friday nights and uh, make a big dinner. Um, so it's it's a really neat atmosphere that they have that they put on. So definitely check them out at kr4performance.com, and we really appreciate their support of Seat Time. So as we go to our next guest, it is uh, actually – so we were talking about the OMA, and our buddy Patrick from Recluse reached out to us. He's like, dude, we were there. It is so much fun. We're actually in Sturgis right now talking to a bunch of Harley customers. You know, let's let's do a show. And I was like, you know what, Patrick? You've kicked my ass in a national enduro before. Let's have you on the show. That'll be fantastic. See ya. Woohoo! Yeah, so is uh, the Dakotas treating you well? You bet. It's great to be out here in South Dakota representing the company and get to see all the action that goes on. And we're thankful that the OMA and a, uh, Bill Gussie crew came up to put on a great race. Yes. So uh, I don't know if you guys staged this or not, but the gentleman standing up looks like he oh, he left. He looked so good. He looked like he had a stick in his butt, and I was wondering if you guys made him like try to be like your security guard. Well, this is one of our one of the best customers we've ever met in our lives. He just came on the scene here, and I want to I want to thank you, Brian, for for bringing us on. Um, we're here at Black Hills Harley Davidson, and that's a story I'll tell after the OMA story. But this guy, one of the and I'll get to that. But let's stay focused on why we're here and what's going on with the OMA and with Recluse and seat time and all the good things that are going on out there for your audience. Absolutely, man. Well, we're definitely uh, happy that you guys are able to be on the show and we get to talk about all the fun stuff that's going on. Um, so you guys... <laughs> this is too much. <laughs> awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> That was that that was so impressive the freaking speakers couldn't handle it and I, I mean and I'm okay with it all we were getting was feedback it was the funniest shit ever I want you to know this is brought to you by Recluse and our favorite favorite yes love it <laughs> Whatever, whatever, you, yeah, I'm not going to go there. You guys are awesome, and uh, 
All I can say is if anybody out there wants to win a pint full of awesome award, something like what he just did would totally work. So that's just giving you a hint. So you guys don't do anything stupid this weekend, but please do that. <laughs> so you guys are up in South Dakota. We got that part. Go ahead. This is a controlled, safe environment. Hey, you guys are grown men. I trust you. That's fine. Hey, fine. Bring it on. What do we want to talk about tonight? Well, I wanted to get you guys this kind of take on the OMA that happened in South Dakota because um, we we haven't had a chance to talk a lot about the OMAs that have been going on. Um, it's obviously it's a new event um, for OMAs, um, and it's kind of a new for, or a different format. And I don't and I don't know if that's just because they were trying something different. Maybe it was specific to the events uh, going on in South Dakota. So yeah, just kind of fill us in on on. All the uh, the big racing awesomeness that you guys got to take part in uh, this past weekend there in South Dakota. You bet. So uh, I think at the end of the day, Bill Gunn and the OMA crew had a great vision, which was bringing their racing a little bit further out in the mountains. And they had a great partnership with the city of Sturgis. And obviously, during this time of year, this is one of the places you want to be in the world when it comes to motorcycle racing. Got some short tracks, some hill climb, and really Sturgis is not thing. And so there's a lot of background that I crew really into. And so then producing this event and bringing a lot of riders out and giving them an opportunity at a great cash prize was a start of a future that I think could be very bright. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, it, it, uh, it, it was neat to see Taylor Robert getting a chance to go out there. And I noticed doing some reading in the press releases and in Cycle News that he was on his ISD e-bike. And because he's going to be in the E3 class, he's actually rate, it was a 450 SXF that they then put a 500 XCW top end on. That, that's, that blows my mind. Did you get a chance maybe to talk to him about that bike or kind of see like what was the reasoning behind the S? X versus XCW and all the conglomeration, the Frankensteining? Well, I think what what we learned from Anthony and Taylor is they're prepping for ISDE because they have a focus to have a good trophy team. And so they're working on things to prep the bikes. And so one of the things they've done is gotten Taylor all with bikes that's going to run, including the fire. So they take the bike from where they're going and where they want to prep long before they shift the bikes and arrive. So I think they're ahead of the schedule, which is really good. Yeah. And it looked like he was riding the bike quite well. He did mention he really loved the 500 power, and the bike all around performed well at the OMA. Man, yeah, you could tell it performed well, and that Taylor performed well because he went 1-1 at a series I don't think he's ever competed in before. Um, be in the OMAs. Now, they said that with the format change, it was a little bit closer to what they used to do with the works. Um, and, uh, and Jimmy Jarrett mentioned that he kind of liked it a little bit more, too. So it wasn't the two, two hours. It was kind of a little bit shorter with only 45-minute break between the motos. I like that, too, because you're not sitting around all day or 24 hours waiting for the next moto. So for you as a spectator, what did you guys think about the different format that they that they kind of used? Well, a lot of people know the OMAs is pretty technical, pretty tough, and maybe a little longer lap, maybe a more 20-minute lap. 
And what Bill and the team did and Monty is they, they shortened the lap to about 12 minutes and they had quite a bit of grass track. Very ISDE-like in some sections. And the, when the riders disappeared in the woods, they weren't gone much more than maybe eight, eight, seven minutes of the time. So they shortened the laps in distance and time and had more, more of the riders exposed to the audience. So it was really great for the spectators because they saw a lot of grass track. Down in a audience, what the maze about, and also what what the rise can produce as fast riders. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I, I've uh, I've never been able to make it to an OMA. I finally got to a GNCC this year, so hopefully in the near future there'll be an OMA that I can make it to. We'll see. I don't know. It'll. It, I like making it to all these different events just to kind of see what the different promoters put on. And obviously they always do different. Um, the, the 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 terrains are always different. The way that they lay out the course is different. The rules are always different. So with the GNCCs, you know, you can go 25 feet on either either side. It's like wow, that seems so wide. But when you're racing it. It doesn't. You wish it was wider, because those guys are crazy. So that's why I think it's interesting. Um, well, I encourage you to go and sure you arrive early and help build something a unique experience. Yeah, one day it'll happen. Um, well, so with the, do, do you guys have a big presence? I mean, I know that you guys are a supporter of the OMA series, Recluses, but do you guys feel that you have a good presence there with the riders that are using your product and that they give you good feedback on how your product's working for them? You bet. So, so the OMA series provides a pretty challenging race format and both ATV and the off cycle community. Pretty, pretty popular connection. Company and The series has been won by a lot of different well recognized racers, a lot of them running our products. On the flip side, what Bill does is he just makes it up, just right. flat out stuff, right. like the moose run. So it's not like you don't show up to get catered to or, 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 you know, have a pro row. He's just like, I'm going to put on a race and the best man's going to win. And we really love that style of, of racing for our, for the racers and, and those that particularly like to show up. Awesome. Yeah, no, and I, 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 uh, the recluse that I've got in my bike, I love it for when it gets super technical because of the fact that I can focus less on uh, making sure I don't stall the bike, which is fantastic for a guy who's a little, uh, clunkier of a rider like myself, which you can attest to since we did get the ride on a row together at the Oklahoma City National Enduro. Well, that was a fun time, Brian. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great when you, Pass me in some of those tests later on in the race because you know sometimes beer drinking gets the better of me and so I just do that instead of care about how I perform at the events. But it happens. We always have a good time and that was fun and I hope we'll get a chance to do that again. So speaking of the national enduros though, with Charlie Mullins getting hurt, it kind of opens up you know the door for a lot of guys to kind of come in and possibly win their first National Enduro Championship. Now, I know because of Off-Road and the National Enduro Series, you guys as well have a lot of you know riders involved in that series, and I didn't know if there were really any standouts for you of, of guys that y'all are watching for that could come away with their first National Enduro Championship. 
Well, it's, it's, Charlie being hurt, it's definitely changed the game. And we got a lot of riders in the that weren't really tight after last weekend. So it really is a challenging moment for these riders. We've got a lot of winners this year. You know, Charlie stood away pretty early. Unfortunately, he's hurt. But some of the riders are now winning races with Jesse's win last weekend. And so it's really a a crapshoot, if you think about it, on who could take this thing all the way to the end. Uh, if, you, if you think about the points and study this stuff, there's a 20-point range, and there's five people in it. And there's a huge opportunity for any one of them to punch through and win the championship. So it's not a, a, not a halfway through the season and somebody's walking. It's it's a moment for anybody to really grab, grab the bull by the horns and take this thing to the end and take the championship. Yeah, it's crazy yeah. because so Nick Ferringer, I've I've got the points up right here so we can kind of look through it and talk about it. Nick Ferringer had the points lead going into this past weekend at the Rattlesnake, but unfortunately tore his MCL on the Thursday beforehand practicing with Andrew. Um, but Andrew's uh, podium performance this past weekend now gives him the uh, the points lead over Nick Ferringer uh, by about three points. So 140 points is what Andrew has. Uh, Nick Ferringer right. with 137. And then we see Jesse Groom, who did get his first win this past weekend at Rattlesnake, like you mentioned, which is awesome for him. He's only eight points behind Andrew. And then we go to Brad Bakken, who got his first win this past uh, uh, two races ago um, right. in Virginia. So it's like... Uh, and he's 11 points back. You know, so there, those four guys could really, I mean, it could be any one of those guys after the next three races. That's true. And, and with that many other winners, you know, with Jesse, I mean, eight points, Brad is proven and, and gets the job done. We have a hell of a run here for the championship and any one of these riders. Obviously, Nick's got a situation that he's going to have to overcome. And we wish him well, and Charlie as well. But really, some of these uh, riders, and Andrew's obviously proven, and he's got the points lead, but he didn't win last weekend. So this is a real challenge, these three top runners, on how to sort this thing out and get to the finish. Yep. The championship The one thing that Nick Farringer needs to do is he needs to win. Like, if you look through, he's got a lot of podiums, but he doesn't have one win. And that's the one thing that he needs to do, I think, to solidify himself to say, I'm the national enduro champion, like to really come away with the with the first place. Uh, and the way he rides, probably or the terrain that he's used to, I would think Indiana would be his best place for that. Um, Colorado's gnarly. I mean, you've ridden in Colorado, and that's a place that some guys. I mean, your balls have to hang low to really get on the gas in some of those the some some of those goat trails that they have out there. Signed up, right, Brian? I didn't. Do you know why? Because that is my son's second birthday, and my wife said that we cannot celebrate his second birthday at a race in Colorado. Stick with the wife and not the Enduro Series. Yeah. So yeah. I think I figured I should stay married and not plan a divorce a couple years in. Absolutely. So yeah, the Enduro Series. Definitely can be interesting these next two rounds. I think it'll all play out. These are going to some point through. Andrew's in a good position right now to, to take that and get it done. Nick's got a situation that, that we wish him with and, and hope he 
song and yeah, I think if Andrew or Nick get it and Husqvarna gets their first National Enduro Championship in the first year of them having either an off-road team with Andrew or a supported factory team with Nick, people are going to – I mean, that's, that would be exciting. And I, But it, it would be just as exciting for Jesse or for Brad if they were to be able to get it. So, I mean, it's tough because – I, I know all those guys. They've all been on the show. I'm pulling for all of them. I just want to see some good racing and them have fun. And uh, maybe in the near future, I'll be able to take my son to a National Enduro for his birthday. But apparently not this year. No problem. Hey, congratulations, Dad. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Yeah, we've got a four-month-old who doesn't sleep through the night yet. We have a two, about to be two-year-old who luckily sleeps through the night, but he's, he's just, I mean, batshit crazy. If you follow either my personal Instagram account or even the Seat Time account, you'll see pictures of him occasionally. I mean, he's just he's just a nut. And then Kaylin, our eight-year-old, is probably the most sane one of all five of us. I mean, she's probably got it more together than any of us. It's it's kind of interesting. <laughs> I don't know our he won't leave us alone. <laughs> He's totally gonna take off. <laughs> I'm just waiting for him to take off and go through the freaking uh, tent, man. That's that front brake just give out and just. <laughs> Let's talk ISDE. Do it. All right. So the ISDE, the teams are out. We can't, we have an idea who's going. And I wonder, there seems to be some chatter, uh, some low-grade chatter about the fact that some people are kind of like, oh, there's these picked club teams again that are just aren't you know, going to the qualifiers and stuff. And I guess... As someone who's a club rider who would who would have tried to attempt to be a club rider in 2012, I get that there's some animosity towards that. I do because you know there's it's a lot of time and money and effort to go to any of that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I understand as someone who's trying to put together a winning team, there needs to be kind of this semi-pro team that's either potentially trophy team members next year, or even better yet, if someone who's on this trophy team or junior trophy team gets hurt. They could then pull from the ranks of this kind of semi-pro club team. So I don't really know how to feel about some of this animosity that some of the other club riders and and other people in the industry have. So I didn't know, is there any thoughts that you guys have on to maybe help me pick a side or not pick a side or not care or care less? Well, I think we'd like to do a topic that either a lot of experience DE and He's got a perspective on this. All right. Well, Joe, go ahead and get up close to the camera so or uh, to the laptop so we can hear you through the microphone pretty good. Can you hear me? Oh, yes. <clears throat> starting to lose my voice after trying to talk over these Harley days for the last three days. I'll do my best. All right, man. Well, yeah. So do you kind of have any thoughts about some of the picks that have been, uh, uh, you know, I guess picked for the ISDE this year for our, you know, club teams and trophy teams. Very interesting question. So, I my first six days as a spectator in 1984 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I've been to five of them, all as spectators. 
by luck, yeah, totally luck, I qualified for the six days in 2010 in Tennessee. And for Chuck Weir, who's the AMA representative, called me and said, hey, Mr. Boiser, or Idaho Joe, I'm calling to let you know that you've been selected for a club team at the ISDE. And I started laughing. I said, Chuck, am I the last guy on the list? And he's like, well, yeah. I said, I'm fat, I'm old, and I'm slow. What's your plan if I decline the offer? And he said, well, there's this young fella who qualified well, rode fast, didn't quite get his paperwork in on time, but he's my plan B. I said, what's his name? He said, Andrew DeLong. I said, Chuck, I think for the betterment of the United States of America and our desire to do well at international competition on motorcycles off-road, I respectfully decline the invitation. I think you should take Andrew. So here we are today with Andrew leading the National Enduro Series, going to the ISDE to represent us, and he's really one of the right guys. Absolutely. The qualification process in the U.S. has been broken. There's only two qualifiers in the country traditionally, one in Idaho, which I'm involved in, which we've done for almost 30 years, but it's different than the way that they organize some of the special tests at the six days and the special tests at other qualifiers. What we really need to get the series qualifying back is to have more organizations, clubs, people around the country step up to do this kind of qualifiers so that we can have places where people regionally around the country can go do their qualifying and get to a system where the fastest rider goes, qualifies, and goes. In the meantime, I think a decision has been made at the AMA level to handpick riders that maybe have a competing series that they're vying for or they live in New York and they've got to travel all the way across the country for a qualifier. For the U.S. Right. It's change, and people don't like change. And I think that's part of the problem, but we have to figure out what is the best for the riders, for the team, and for the USA to make sure that when we have an international six-day enduro, we send our best caliber riders with the best support possible. Right. I support what Wellard is doing, what Beta is doing, and the other teams that are helping the riders raise money so that they can focus on being the best rider that they can be. At this stage of the game, it's it's a $15,000 bill to go to the six days. And if a rider can get support from a sponsor, a corporation, uh, a business, Wellard, if Wellard's willing to invest, that gives the rider the opportunity to do the most training possible, get his bike ready, get his mind ready, get his brain ready, and uh, compete on our behalf. 
Yeah. 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 It's it's it, yeah. Uh, it, it's good to hear you kind of say the fact that you think it's kind of broken, and I don't disagree. Um, in that we do need to find some kind of system that 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 either creates a situation where they do not have to travel literally across the country to go qualify, or we need to find a way to uh, either series wise, or we need to find a way to to create some kind of series that allows them to do it more regionally. Um, did you have you seen the release of the series that J or the race? That Jason Hooper is going to put on called the full sprint, uh, full gas sprint enduro. I am not aware. No. Uh-uh. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the uh, let's bring up the website to make sure I get it right. Yeah. So fullgasenduro.com is where you can go check it out to learn about this a little bit more. So. Ever since he and I went, probably even before this, this is when him and I talked about it a little bit. I was kind of like, we were kind of like, why don't we have these? When we went to Germany in 2012 for the ISDE, that's why we were like, why don't we have this in the States? This seems like a fun event. It's easy to do. People understand it. There's really no timekeeping involved. It's just get there and go. Um, so it seems that he's acted on that, and he it's going to be at the Big Buck property where the Big Buck GNCC goes on, but he's creating his uh, – uh, I don't know that it's a series as of yet. He's going to put one race on see how it goes, and then from there, maybe in the near future, it could become some form of a two- to three-race series. But, yeah, I mean, and there's a couple more smaller sprint enduro series that we're starting to see on the West Coast, too. I think Eric Kudla is uh, is putting one on as well. Um, so if we could get more of these to happen, do you think maybe we could find a way to organize all of these races as more of regional qualifiers for the ISDE? Or do you feel that it still needs to be more specific to the exact format, the way that the ISDE is formulated, like the test, the special test and the enduro tests and the grass tracks and the way it's more broken down? Great, great point. So there are two factors, in my opinion, about riding the six days or competing in the six days. Number one, it's your straight-up speed, sprint speed. And an idea like a full gas enduro or a J-Day race or an OMA race where the rider really has to focus on going as fast as for a period of time, like Idaho qualifier provides the rider isn't so much the accurate grass track type situations but it's 105 to 130 miles a day two days in a row and that tests the other part of what the rider needs to do which is travel that far per day not for a day not for two not for three three days is where it starts getting difficult mentally and physically for riders but then they've got a fourth day a fifth day and then on the sixth day they race a motocross so there's two types of preparation that the riders need. Uh, I don't know what the answer is um, as far as what type of event is the best suited for it. Um, you know, the way it used to work 20 years ago, and that's uh, is there was a ISDE qualifier series. There could be as many as six or eight events around the country with each club putting on a two-day event, and there was a lot of consistency to it. 
from a promoter's point of view or an organizer's point of view, that's difficult to do from land issue uses, uh, issues and resources from volunteers. Yeah. Um, and it's just not on that kind of event anymore. So I think we're going to have to develop a shorter, more regionalized system to qualify these riders. And, and, you know, and the, and the riders need to express an interest. You know, I don't know with the current selection process and the riders that went that didn't ride qualifiers, how did their interest in going to the six days become, or was, was the AMA and the selection committee made aware of that? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think this is something that we're definitely going to have to talk about offline so that we can really get your ideas in your head down and kind of maybe get some new blood involved. Not that, not that I think I have answers. Not that I think like our friends like Zach Huberty, maybe Jason Hooper. I don't think we have the answer, but maybe with kind of just some, some younger blood involved in trying to mix it up a little bit, we might be able to come up with a process that makes a little bit more sense, feels a little bit more national, but keeps everybody a tad bit more regional. Um, so that way, a little bit less travel cost for everybody involved, but what feels a little bit more fair to those trying to qualify. Yeah, I'm excited about this year's team. I think we got a great chance. Oh, my gosh, it's going to be fantastic. Both from the trophy team perspective, the junior team perspective, the women's team is strong. We have strong club teams, I believe. Last year, the Weller team uh, was second of all the club teams in the whole world, if yeah. not third, somewhere there. And uh, that's exciting. You know, we haven't had club results like that in years. And, of course, the trophy was just solid. Yeah, we were talking – and we were talking a little bit about Taylor Roberts' bike and, and, and what he's prepping for, him and Anthony are prepping for. And they're prepping for an overall. Like, that's that's the mentality I got from when I talked to Taylor a little bit about his bike um, and kind of to get the more specifics on it. And that that's that's his go for it. He's he's not just going for a class win. He really wants to be an overall winner. Um, the past couple of years that he's gone, I think that he's he's learned a lot. He's he's educated on the way to compete now at the ISDE. I mean, besides some type of catastrophic failure, mechanical or something like that, I I honestly think that mentally he has the ability now to physically to to back up everything that he can do physically to get that overall win. It's going to be balls out battle fun. It's going to be cool to watch these guys kick ass down there in Argentina. That's I think that's a good uh, terrain for him. And then for Gary Sutherland's going to be on a club team. I think that they're going to do really good. I hear they make wine in Argentina. They make wine? Yeah. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Malbec flavor? No. Do I need to become? Yes. All right. You got it, buddy. I will. Well, cool. Well, Idaho Joe, I definitely appreciate you jumping in really quick so we could talk some ISDE. We will talk about this offline because I can tell that you're interested and you've got a lot of good ideas. Um, so if nothing else, we'll talk soon about it. But is Patrick still there? Or do you want to do you want to finish up about what Recluse is doing um, in Sturgis and some of the Harley stuff y'all have going on? Patricio Coulter, we'll bring it on. Brian, it was great to be on your show. Love your show. Watch it all the time. Love what you do for our sport. 
Thanks, dude. Well, we appreciate you taking the time. That's what this is all about is just having fun with it and making sure we talk about what we love to do, right? That's right. Thank you, Seat Time, for having us. Absolutely. Hey, how many beers did you bong while you were gone? Did you say how many beers did he bong? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a clown royal flush. <laughs> Love it. We'll tell you, we tell you what that means later. Yes, sir. So, yeah. Let me tell you a little bit about where we're at and what's going on. And we want to thank you, Seat Time, and all the sponsors that support Seat Time for making this happen. We're, we're coming to you from the Black Hills Harley-Davidson dealership in Rapid City, South Dakota. And one of the things that we're really proud about is delivering a product to the market so all the people that go out there and do the work enjoy what they do. So thanking the Harley-Davidson crew, we're going to be set up down at Sturgis. We supported this OMA and the bull run. We hope we'll and we've got some discussions with the OM about bringing that back and continuing to grow this. Bill was able, and able to build pretty decent pro purse. So we're hoping that it's a heck of a lot of interest from other riders from the West Coast and the East Coast. And maybe one of these riders, like this Harley rider back here, to, to, to tell us a little story about why people come to Sturgis. So what we're here to do is join you and your show, and we're also introducing our all-new EXP and Torque for the Harley-Davidson market. Very cool. Which is local here. At Did you just type me? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> One customer, Estonia. <laughs> walking by this booth, and, and, and they're like, "You gotta check this recluse shit out." I didn't know what to think. You know, I was like, "I, I have a mission. I, I'm going to buy a T-shirt," and and they're like, "You gotta check this out." So I stopped, and and they're like, "Come over here and check this bike out." And they fired it up. They took off, like. Burning it with a clutch, right? And all of a sudden, they're just sitting there. Fine. And then all of a sudden, they just ripped the throttle and took off. I, I didn't even know what to do. I, I, it's like it blew my mind. I had to hold my head for a minute. I just had to hold it and go, let me balance this out of my head. You just took off no clutch on a Harley Davidson. And I had to buy one. I, I just bought it. And so there it is, man, right there. And I, I was just like, I want to burn out on that thing every time I see it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to buy a Harley just so I can put a recluse in it now. I mean, that was a recluse burnout. That was no clutch burnout. That was just like twisted with the recluse. I, it just blew my mind. Now I can do burnouts anytime I want. Man. Sturgis 2015. I think we know where we need to go do our next live webcast from, Stephen. <laughs> What's that? And broadcast from Sturgis. We'll show you how it's done, and you'll have an audience bigger 
than the market because guess what? The world comes to this time of year, and they race, they ride. Hopefully the OMA will be back. I think there's good indications that it'll be back. It's good for sport. And uh, Recluse is here to introduce our Harley products, and lo and behold, customer, customers like Bertonian are here to help us just get the job Let's done. Let's do an auto-clutch burnout right now. An auto-clutch burnout. Like no clutch, just auto-clutch burnout. All right. The seat time. We're going to do it, and that's going to be our outro for this segment. So I want to say, Pat, thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you guys so thanks. much for doing what you do and for being a part of this industry. Hold on. I'll tell you what, Brian. Yo. Thank you for that you do. We want a big shout-out to the Black Hills Harley-Davidson crew. And a big shout out to our team at home at Recluse, who's helped us put this together and deliver this product to the market. I'll let the customer speak the volume. It totally shits the bed. How awesome is that, guys? I hope that you guys are listening and realizing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to respond to this. This is the best shit ever. <laughs> and and another episode brought to you by. Oh God. <laughs> That's a pipe full of awesome, everybody. Patrick, thank you very much. <laughs> Later, hey, Brian. Yes, sir. We thank you so much for what you do for the industry, and we hope all join and support you in your effort. Thanks, man. You guys have fun out there. We'll chat soon. You got it, buddy. Peace. Cheers. Awesome. Well, those guys are having a good time up in Sturgis. I'm jealous, and I want to be there. That is for sure. Um, so Zach Huberty was sending me a quick note, and he was like, man, I like it. It's a little – It's a little. It, we're getting – Unfortunately, it seemed like it was getting a little clunky in there, and we apologize for that. Sometimes with these, with the internet signal, obviously those guys being out in the middle of nowhere uh, in Sturgis, it, it, it's, it got a little choppy, but you could tell those guys are having a good time, and some of the information they had is awesome. But Zach is saying it's a little bit like Anchor Band, and, and I kind of agree. It, it was all kinds of stuff going on, man. Oh, dude, we got so many awesome highlight reels from that, Steven. I mean, like, wow. Like, holy shit. I'm not going to lie. We've kind of been all over the place. We, we had a couple moments with Quinn where it got really serious. Um, you know, I, I didn't really mean for it to get that way. I didn't mean to ask. I, I didn't mean to phrase some of the questions the way that I did, but it just kind of came out that way. And obviously it seemed a little bit more serious than I think I meant for it to be. But that's okay. Uh, great information. And then we come on with our recluse guys and, and it, uh, we kind of, we kind of got in the trenches a little bit, if you will. You know, we, 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 we dodged. We, we had some bullets. We talked a little bit about the ISDE. And then all of a sudden, like the mortars just came into that trench and just started blowing up. And it's like, boom, craziness. I mean, we just saw a street bike almost go through the wall of a tent. I mean, how awesome is that? I think we've done our job here, Stephen. If we didn't at least create a little bit of a pint full of awesome people out there, they're just not paying attention. So this has been episode 136. One of the things I didn't get a chance to talk to you guys about, though, 
is our good friends over at Fast Company. They make these. They make badass flex bars. So you can see it right there. And this, the whole thing behind this is not for you to go, oh, I don't want my bars to flex. It's not about bars that flex. It's about having handlebars that have the same characteristics in your hand that a traditional bar does, but they absorb and protect you from the abuse so that you can ride longer and harder. That's like saying, hey, check it out. We're a badass condom that doesn't make it feel thicker but it makes you go longer and harder. I mean, that's what you—that's what everybody looks for. Well, I mean, maybe that condom doesn't exist, but the good thing is is the handlebar exists. So you can get a handlebar that makes you go longer and harder, but doesn't take away any of the feel. Hey, man, that's like a... We need to charge them for that. That's pretty good. I like that. So everybody go out and buy yourself the condom version of a badass handlebar so that you can go longer and harder and not lose any feel. That's going to be the guy's over at Fast Company, who sell the Flex Bars. And one other product that they have that I really enjoy and I think is pretty badass is the Torque Spoke Wrench. Now, this thing is awesome because you don't have to just ding your spokes to try to think that they sound like they're in tune so that you know they all have the same tension. No, you use this guy. It's got its own torque spec, and bam, they're all torqued the same. It's pretty amazing, and I like it. So go check them out, fastco.com for all the greatness that they offer. We definitely appreciate their support of Seed Time. We want to let you guys know next week we are going to have a, we're going to have a guest on, uh, Alan Stillwell from Stillwell Performance. Stillwell Performance is a sponsor of Seed Time. Of course, they do a great job of, of making your sucky squishy less sucky and more awesome, which is what everybody who races off-road or even just rides off-road needs to have. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about suspension when it comes to off-road setups. Um, we've had a lot of questions about mechanics, uh, from mechanics and stuff like that, but this time we're going to kind of tune it towards what's going to be going on in the suspension world. So if you guys have any questions, you definitely want to make sure that you either send them to us on Facebook, on Twitter, all that kinds of stuff. We're going to be releasing uh, more media uh, about what's going to be happening next week, about the, how we're going to kind of approach this episode. I just want to give everybody a heads up. So if you have any questions about suspension, um, definitely start kind of formulating those in your mind. Join us in the chat room next week if you need to for that, um, to be able to ask your questions there. Or you can tweet them to us. Um, I will we'll definitely, we're going to find a very good way for live questions. Kind of, uh, so just pay attention for that. I think we've done our due diligence here. Um, uh, Stephen. So, uh, so a couple random things, of course. Great shout out to Jesse Grome. Just want to say for his uh, his first national enduro win. Uh, Taylor Robert going up to the Sturgis OMA and getting his first OMA win. I think that's awesome. Uh, over Paul Wibley, who's won every every race so far in that series. ISDE teams were announced. Um, obviously, a little bit of controversy there. It's going to be great to be able to talk with Idaho Joe a little bit more about what we should do in the future. Um, the TSEC schedule is announced. So for those of you who don't know, the Texas State Enduro Championship Series announced their 2015, 2014-2015 schedule. Um, it does begin uh, the last weekend in September in Marble Falls, Texas. Um, there is no more... Uh, High Plains and Sabine series. So that'll be cool. I mean, it, it is a real Texas state championship enduro series. Um, very, very cool. I'm glad that they announced that. Uh, Red Bull World Maniacs, Johnny Walker getting the win. I think we kind of saw that coming. He's been very dominant this year. Graham Jarvis is probably, I don't know. I, I don't know if Johnny Walker is that much better right now, if he's just been, um, you know, uh, kind of building with momentum, or if Graham Jarvis is slacking a little bit. Those, I don't want to do it. It looks miserable. Um, 
But yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. We'll be looking forward to Endurocross kicking back off, uh, come Atlanta, uh, late August. That'll be fun. I think, uh, yeah, it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a good time. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. So just pay attention here. Uh, two weeks. Say, that's my birthday tomorrow, 35. Uh, find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you want. Send me a big, uh, a big high five, big virtual high five. We'd, I'd appreciate it. Um, other things I'd appreciate, you checking us out. SeatTime.co is the website where you can find all of our archive shows um, and any other kind of press releases and news that we put out there. Of course, we're on Facebook. Facebook.com slash SeatTime is where you can find us there. On Twitter, Twitter.com slash SeatTime underscore CO. Um, if you want to tweet us real hard, we do enjoy a good tweet. That's always fun. Of course, Instagram is just regular old seat time. If you're looking for us, you can easily find us on YouTube. That is where we do our live events like these kind of shows. And, of course, we, we post some other videos that Steven and I produce. Um, we will be creating another account for the media company. Um, it's gonna, it, it's full pint media group is actually the, the LLC that owns seat time. We have a couple other big things coming in the works for this year, possibly even for 2015. So pay attention for that as that grows and becomes, um, something. It's not gonna be as cool as seat time in the sense of what seat time is, but we, we will create other little entities, other things that go on in the industries. So pay attention. It'll be fun. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube, seat time underscore CO there. Um, and then of course we are in Stitcher and iTunes. You search for seat time, just two words. So seat and time. Um, yeah, man, goodness gracious. I'm like, this has been a fun show. I still cannot believe that we saw that motorcycle almost go through that wall. I mean, that blows my mind. I want us to have instant replay power so bad right now. It just won't happen. It just won't happen. So thank you very much to Fly Racing, Stillwell Performance, Care Poor Performance with their Arrive and Ride program, and the guys over at Fast Company. We would not be able to do this without their help. Steven would not be able to drive here to spend such a great amount of time with me every week. I mean, he just loves it. He just says, God, I would love to not get paid for this. But unfortunately, I have to because gas is involved. So thank you for my money. I'm just kidding. But seriously. Thank you guys very much for what you do. This has been episode 136. Please come back next week for all of our suspension non-suckage awesomeness. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Peace.